Hey everybody and welcome to Buckhalter's Automated and Intelligent Systems Podcast. In fact, uh, this is our first episode for this new podcast. My name is Eric Kennedy. I'm a shareholder at Buckalter and the co-chair of the Automated Intelligent Systems Practice Group. And I have with me today two other attorneys from Buckalter. I'll let them introduce themselves. Hi everyone, my name is Danielle Mayer. I'm a commercial litigator in Buckalter's Los Angeles office. I have been turning my focus onto autonomous vehicles and intelligent systems as of late. I also have a background in tort law and in particular product liability cases, so the liability issues surrounding autonomous vehicles are particularly interesting to me. And I'm Paul Fradenberg, and I also focus my practice on the transportation industry with um, a unique focus in aviation and aerospace, do a lot of work with urban air mobility, um, drones, and fun stuff like that. About 50% of my work is in regulatory compliance in the transportation industry, and um, excited to be doing this podcast with you guys. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Danielle. A little bit more about me. I've um, been practicing litigation for about 16 years, focusing on complex commercial litigation, class action defense, that kind of thing, and turned my focus to autonomous vehicles about two years ago um, as I developed a personal interest both in the technology and in the practical application of the technology. And Paul and I got together and decided to start the Automated Intelligent Systems Practice Group at Buckalter with lots and lots of support from the firm. We're super excited, not only about the industry, but also about the opportunity that this podcast gives us to share some of our thoughts, insights, impressions, and ideas about where we are and where we're going in the, in the automated world. So I'm going to turn it back over to Paul to chat a little bit about that. So speaking, yeah, speaking of your thoughts and impressions, Eric, we, uh, we recently had the opportunity to attend a few conferences this summer um, in this space, and I know the big one is AUVSI's Automated Vehicle Symposium. I had a few takeaways um, from that, but I wanted to pose to you the first question of our podcast, which is, you know, what stood out to you about uh, that conference? So it was a great conference um, down in Orlando, Florida, hot and humid, but we were at that big, huge Marriott facility there and uh, really nice accommodations, self-contained environment. Uh, it was a two or three day conference. Lots of people attended from all over the place. In fact, I think Paul and I had lunch with someone from Denmark yeah, um, who was there not only to, to hear about autonomous vehicles, but I think mostly to go to Disney World. A lawyer from Denmark. <laughs> it was a lawyer from Denmark, which was kind of cool. Yeah, he was really excited about, about the Disney World aspect of the trip. <laughs> uh, lots of good takeaways from the event, which I thought was a fantastic event, uh, co-sponsored by the Transportation Resource Board. And uh, my, f- my takeaway really was the focus on safety which seem to be one of the biggest issues that the industry is talking about. As we get closer and closer to more broad um, implementation, the, uh, the concern is about safety and what's happening actually in the practical deployment of autonomous vehicles. When, when an AV gets on the road, what happens next? And how are people going to deal with that? Because one of the biggest concerns or maybe even the biggest hurdles that we have to cross before we can really experience widespread deployment is overcoming the public's ideas about whether or not this is going to be safe technology, something that they can trust either as a rider 
um, or as someone who's just walking around the street and has an autonomous vehicle or many autonomous vehicles driving by. So there was a lot of talk in the general sessions and also several work workshops that dealt with issues of safety. And it was it felt good to know that everyone in the industry has got that at the top of their list. So so funny you mentioned that because that's that's you know something that stood out to me which directly pertains to safety. And obviously it was when all of the regulators were speaking. So there were a lot of regulators at the conference. Um, NHTSA was there, obviously. You had various DOT contingencies there. And they all said one thing that stood out to me. There was like this message that must have been passed down from Washington as you have to hit this point at this conference. And the message was that the federal government will not promote one particular technology over the other. And to me, with the aviation and aerospace background, I found that really interesting. So, so I'll pose this to you, Daniel. When will the federal government back one particular technology over the other in automated vehicles? I think we're going to see a big patchwork in the coming years. I mean, a lot of people, even just, what, 2007, the thought of an iPhone was just a toy um, but we've seen a lot of progress from technology in the autonomous vehicle space. But I don't know if we're going to see any action from Congress. Uh, there's going to be a lot of fighting. There's states already that we've seen that have implemented various rules. People think maybe those are a little premature. They can't really contemplate all the issues. So unfortunately, I think it will probably be up to manufacturers to create their own guidelines to make these safe until we can get Congress to act. We've seen bills stall in the House, stall in the Senate, so I just don't know if we're going to see anything tomorrow. And in the interim, you're going to see this huge patchwork of laws, and there's going to be a lot of finger pointing. There's going to be a lot of issues with liability. Who's responsible when it's a driver versus an autonomous, autonomous vehicle, an autonomous vehicle versus an autonomous vehicle? We're going to see a lot of these issues if the driver's negligent or actually the autonomous vehicle's negligent. How are we going to deal with these? So I think that we're probably going to have to see some overarching change of our liability structure, but I don't know how that's going to come about or what that's going to look like. Those are really tough questions. So that patchwork is exactly what we dealt with when drones were booming in the aerospace industry. And we had all these states and cities and everybody but the federal government jumping in to say. And that's what I was going to ask you is you have this really unique experience that you got to see that from its infancy kind of come up and it's still developing, right? But you can probably speak better to how the regulatory issues developed through that. So Yeah, and, and so for the listeners out there, I mean, I think what you guys, I mean, my message would be with our experience um, in, in, in urban air mobility and, and stuff that flies, I think a federal... A, a, a robust set of federal regulations actually has really helped the industry. And so that's, that's what spurred sort of my thoughts when I heard the federal regulators come out and say, look, we won't take a big stance in favor of one particular technology or promote one particular method of doing things. We want innovation and innovation is great. But then the problem is, okay, so, so, so here's a statistic for you guys. So 30 states have explicitly authorized platooning at autom automation level three. So, so that's really interesting. Michigan was the first. Um, so, so let's talk Can about that. Explain to the listener yeah. what platooning yeah, is. Yeah, platooning is when you take a big rig and they sort of sync up with the the big rig in front of them so that you can 
increase efficiencies and decrease the following distance. And so, so right now, the primary regulation at the state level for for large vehicles at the uh, of uh, autonomous is 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 actually the uh, following distance loss. Is that they'd have, they'd have laws that said you you have to follow at 500 feet or more if you're in a big rig or something like that. Platooning is one of the earliest implementations at the state level of we have now 30 states who are accommodating autonomous vehicles through platooning, with Michigan being the first. Um, and and they they are changing their regulations to accommodate this. But to your point, Danielle. The problem that I see is that it's being done in a patchwork way. So let's say you need to platoon, uh, you know, 15 big rigs from what Texas to California. When you cross state lines. What happens when you cross state lines? And in, and in the aerospace industry, we don't deal with that problem because as soon as some city out in Omaha, in Omaha, you know, as soon as as soon as, as as Omaha says you can't have drones in our in our city, well. What do we have? We have a we have a federal government preemption argument that comes in and says no. We regulate this uniformly across the the country. So I think that's a really interesting issue, and I think maybe we should talk for a minute about some of the underlying concerns, because we had the federal government in 2018 take significant efforts and make strides in trying to pass legislation. The House tried to pass the Self Drive Act. The Senate tried to pass the AV Start Act. Both of those did not pass, and um, there is some suggestion in the industry that manufacturers have stopped dedicating resources to lobbying in support of some sort of federal regis- legislation because, um, because there's not really any movement happening. There's not really anything uh, that's, that's, that's getting across the finish line. So my first question with respect to and I think the platooning issue really raises this issue in a practical way for the exact reason you described. The states can legislate whatever they want, but once you leave Michigan and go into whatever the neighboring state is on either side or above or below, now you've got interstate problems and those are federally regulated on a preemptive level. So what is it that's causing Congress to have a hard time getting something that on some level should have bipartisan support to the point where it actually becomes legislation. What do you think, Paul? You know, I I am actually surprised that it, that they're having such difficulty. My only thought is that when we is that when you look at ground transportation, the evolution of that industry was very much a okay state by state. You guys can have you know you can regulate this you know there's some states where you see a you, let's just take the most basic traffic problem you can have you have a green light you have a red light and then you have a yellow light in between the two right some states you get a yellow light you can you you can you know accelerate through some states when you get a yellow light you're supposed to not enter on a yellow right which blows our minds out here in California because you know but but this is the problem the evolution of the industry was such that states are allowed to do that and they're allowed to pick how they want to regulate their traffic problems and how to move people you know, through a city or through a state, and and I think that unfortunately that is. I mean, the federal regulators have not come around to the fact that that must change. In my view, that will have to change if we're going to put a lot of autonomous vehicles uh, on, on the ground. So, what do you think's keeping us from it? Why why is the federal government not able? There's You've probably seen the, the articles about it, but 2019 has been another push, um, especially now in the last half of the year, to get more federal regi- legislation on the books. 
and lobbying money is being put back into it and people are starting to get excited again and part of the reason they're getting excited is because the legislators have specifically asked for the industry to be a part of this and to chime in on what the the laws ought to look like. Um, So there is some suggestion that we might have something that has legs in 2019, but to get to Danielle's point, if we don't, and if we don't get it soon, then we run the risk of this patchwork of laws that could create additional problems that we we definitely want to avoid. So, what do you, Danielle? What do you think? How how do we get federal le- legislation in place? I don't know the answer to that. I think the concern is the uncertainty for manufacturers and car companies, right? So. If a car company says, I want to create autonomous vehicles, but we're, I'm out here in Michigan, but I want to be able to sell them in California, how can they have certainty as to what the laws are? They're going to have to create a book of a 50-state survey of all the different laws. So that's obviously a concern. I don't know what it's going to take because it sounds like from what you're saying that these the industry leaders are not going to put money well, here's towards a, lobbying. Here's, here's an maybe even more interesting question. What impact do you think the fact that we're going into a presidential election will have on whatever efforts there are to get federal legislation across the finish line? I think anything at this point is going to be slowed down. There's just not going to be a lot of movement in the next cycle until we see someone, someone either Donald Trump still in the office or someone new in the office of president. But I don't. it doesn't seem to be a focus right now. And... We have very real concerns. There's there's level three cars out on the road which have some significant autonomy, and you're seeing places like in Arizona where they're bringing these cars out. So it's 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 coming. These cars are going to be on the road soon, and we need someone needs to deal with it. And I think it's it's hard. And I think that legislature the legislature doesn't want to deal with it because what do these laws look like? What do we have issues where we have a trolley problem, right? Where how do these cars decide? who gets hit and who doesn't in the car. We have issues with how do people trust these cars. We're probably going to have, I mean, America's a huge car country, right? We love cars, the Model T Ford. We have all these kind of um, just, it's part of our cultural identity. And then to ask people, I talk to people all the time, and it seems to be maybe a generational split. I'm so excited to have an autonomous vehicle. I don't want to drive. I want to not sit in traffic in downtown LA. But then you have lots of people that say, I, I want to drive forever. And what happens if one day, it, is it illegal to drive? Do we get to the point where there's no drivers, right? I mean, it sounds crazy, but what if there's not even steering wheels in cars? What if there's no brakes? I mean, it comes to the point where what does this future look like? And we're going to we're gonna get pushback. People don't like change. Yeah. Well, let me turn it over. To, let me ask you. Sorry, well, Paul. Well, let me, let me, ask let you, me right? just jump in on that. So yeah. let, me, let, me, let me try to loop back with both of your questions, Eric, because they tie together now perfectly. And, and I'll see if I can kind of land the plane from where, I'm, from where I am. Pun, pun, pun intended. intended. Pun intended. Yeah. So I think what the federal regulators are waiting for is for private industry to make a safety case in one direction or the other. And the federal government does not have the bandwidth to independently study and, and, and certify a particular technology or a particular way of doing autonomy. So instead what they're doing is So you're saying like 
the differences between whether it's LiDAR or radar, like there's just so many different ways that companies, you know, even Tesla versus. And that's why we don't have federal legislation yet. That's the holdup, is that there is not enough information from, the, from private industry that there is one consensus about this is the set of regulations that we should have. This is how we build a safety case. So even if we do get an initial set of regulations, which I think we should have, the problem, I think the barrier right now is that the federal government doesn't feel equipped with enough safety data to, to come back to your first question. Uh, it's, this is all about safety. It's, it's really, it really comes back to, okay, are we going to create a system that in two years is rendered obsolete because all of the big players in autonomy, the private industry, are going to show us the data that says your, your law that you passed two years ago is for a totally obsolete system. It has nothing to do with the new safety figures that we're getting using this system and that system. And that's why I think we don't have a robust set of federal regulations yet, but we will. And of course, that comes back to the comment that we, that we had from these regulators when we were at these conferences, right? We won't prioritize, we won't promote one particular technology of, over the other. And I, and I will just add to what they're saying, what they should have said is, until one particular technology is proven to be the safety standard. And in that case, we will prioritize that. So what's the, there's actually a, a real life impact of our uh, paralysis, our legislative paralysis. Um, and a, and a KPMG did a study They've done it annually for the last couple of years called the Autonomous Vehicle Readiness Index. They did it, put it out in 2019. And the United States ranked third or fourth globally on the index. And I, as I read that, I thought that's interesting because we have arguably the center of technology of all AV in the Silicon Valley. We have several locations that are in heavy testing, um, especially in Arizona with, with uh, cars on the road. So how is it possible that, that you know, the America, who's usually leading the charge, is not leading the charge? And as you dig into the readiness index, you realize that one of the reasons, probably the biggest reason, is our failure to have national legislation. So there is a practical impact through our inability to do it, which is we're looking at what is now valued as a $54 billion industry and soon will be valued um, in 2026 estimates are as a $555 billion industry, a hundred times of growth in just a few years. And we're, we run the risk in the United States of not acting, of not, of not keeping up with other, with other uh, f places that are, that are both supporting technology, but also uh, infusing um, life into the system with a regulatory structure that allows for innovation and deployment. Um, I agree with you, Paul. I think at the end of the day, it's all about safety. Legislators do not, legislators do not want to run the risk of putting out a framework and then having people come back and say, well, why didn't you think about this? Why didn't you think about that? This is supposed to be so safe and now we have all these injuries and accidents. But do you think the lack of data that you're discussing is because the industry is not providing that data? Are they, do you think if they worked with the government or are they working in the government still stalled? You know, they're providing the data based on what we've, they, there are programs where they are sharing data and that's a big emphasis right now. So the question will be, what what at what point at what point do you reach the tipping point where the regulators have now seen enough 
to say, okay, we see the clear path forward and we can, we can push a law through. Um, and, and that remains to be seen. Yeah, so we're definitely not going to reach all the answers here, but I think one of what we're trying to accomplish in this podcast is to raise the, the issues, talk about them, um, discuss the, the, the ups and downs, the pros and cons, the positive and negative, and try to come to some sort of a clarity on, on what's going to happen, what's happening now, and what might happen as we go forward so that we can help other people to re- reach some level of clarity as well. One of the other, a couple other things as we close out here that, that, uh, that I want the group to be thinking about for next time is um, one of the issues that also came up at the conference that we attended was design and how the federal motor vehicle safety standards impact actual design of autonomous cars. So you and I took a ride in an auto- a fully autonomous car. Um, it was fascinating. Uh, we sat there, we drove around in the parking lot, there was no one in the driver's seat. Someone was ready, obviously, to take over. Uh, but it had a steering wheel, and it had a brake pedal, and it had an accelerator. And, um, and so I, it, it started me thinking about these federal uh, motor vehicle safety standards we call the FMVSS and how they impact design. That's something I want to talk about in our, in our next round. What are you guys thinking of? Yeah, no, I agree. So stay tuned, listeners. Um, think there's a lot of regulatory landscape to cover here. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We're excited to keep this going.